Good afternoon and welcome to COVID-19 update stories and lessons from the front lines of IT, a health system CIO Media Inc. production sponsored by Highland Healthcare. Just a little housekeeping before we get started. My name is Anthony Guerra. I'm the editor-in-chief of Health System CIO, and I will be your moderator today. We hope for your participation today. We've got the questions and comments box you can use, and we're going to do a little poll later in the program. Uh, a little little tips on how to get what I think is the best view of the event today. Um, first thing you want to do at the top of your screen, uh, click on that little drop down and pick the side by side mode. Then you can slide the divider over to get everything uh, the size you want it. Uh, and you want to see it's a speaker view in the top right hand corner. That's a, a nice view to enjoy the event today. So you see how we're going to spend our time. We're going to go about 35, 40 minutes with our main panel discussion featuring Lisa Stump, SVP and CIO at Yale New Haven Health System, Chuck Christian, VP of Technology and CTO with Franciscan Health, and Colleen Serhall, Chief Clinical Officer with Highland, and then we will do our audience Q&A. So let's jump right in uh, and get us get started. Um, Lisa, let's start with you. Can you give us uh, an overview of your organization and your role? Happy to, Anthony. Thank you. And uh, welcome, everyone, this afternoon. Uh, as Anthony indicated, I'm the Chief Information Officer for the Yale New Haven Health System and Yale School of Medicine, uh, located in uh, New Haven, Connecticut. Our health system is comprised of five hospitals across seven campuses, uh, located primarily in Connecticut, but also in Rhode Island. We have uh, over 300 ambulatory locations in the states of New York, Connecticut, and Rhode Island, uh, serving about 2.6 million uh, ambulatory visits and about 125,000 um, inpatient discharges each year. So uh, really happy to be here with everyone today. Very good, Chuck. Hey, good afternoon, everybody. Uh, Chuck Christian, I'm the uh, Vice President of Technology and CTO for Franciscan Health. It's a, depending upon how you count them, 12 or 14 hospital system uh, serving the western part of, uh, with a central and western part of Indiana, uh, all the way to Chicago. Uh, we have about 400 uh, other locations for physician practices, imaging, reference labs, draw stations, uh, all the way up into uh, southern Michigan. Uh, we've got uh, about 500 folks in our IT shop, uh, and uh, I'm, if anything's broken, it's my fault. Uh, so, uh, <laughs> Uh, I, I have responsibility for all the technology in the organization, uh, including the phone system, networking, uh, and anything else in, that Charles wants to give me uh, to do. So, uh, very good. Chuck, how long have you been there now? Uh, about uh, 15 months. Uh, okay. I, always, I hit the sweet spot. You know, I got to do some really cool stuff last year, then I got right in the middle of COVID this year. So, uh, it's been. Uh, I've been training all my life for stuff like this. So. That's that's a really good point. I think we'll touch on that later. Um, Colleen? Yeah, hi. Thanks for having me. Uh, Colleen Searle, I'm the Chief Clinical Officer and Director of our Global Consulting for Highland Software. Um, our healthcare practice serves about 3,000 healthcare entities around the world. Um, very thrilled to have Lisa and Chuck here with me, who are both customers of ours. Um, we make 
um, a couple different products. Uh, in healthcare, really, our mission is to take unstructured content and bring that into our products for long-term storage and then connect those up with um, the technologies of choice, whether that be an EMR, whether that be a, a financial system. Very good. Thank you, Colleen. All right, um, Chuck, let's start with you. How has COVID-19 impacted your organization and community? Well, where do we start? Uh, we uh, you know, started uh, seeing patients a little later than the West Coast and East Coast did, you know, it's, it, since we're in the Midwest. But uh, we immediately had, you know, stood up a, a command center uh, in our emergency response to some of this. And we started looking at, you know, what do we need to do? And uh, so we actually moved about 5,000 of our employees uh, to work remote. I actually had a team of uh, my server and uh, storage team uh, actually uh, did a pilot to make sure that the technologies that we had put in place would actually work so we could actually do our jobs uh, with that. So, yeah, we've had, you know, quite a few challenges. We, uh, Franciscan owns its own construction company. Uh, and so uh, it's, it's ton and blank. Uh, and so that we immediately did con started construction to stand up drive through uh, testing sites. Uh, we stood up respiratory clinics that were uh, you know, we in, in the Midwest, we call them pole barns. Uh, we didn't have the Amish build them though, but uh, uh, they went up very, very quickly so we could provide those services. Uh, you know, the other things like every other healthcare organization in the country, we immediately stopped doing all the elective procedures. Uh, and so uh, we repurposed uh, a lot of our employees uh, that w allowed us to uh, uh, ramp up in some areas and, and ramp down in other areas. And then we looked at our projects. Uh, we put some on mothballs. Uh, we slowed some down and others we decided we weren't going to do at all, that we'd go back and revisit those because we knew priorities were going to change. And so we've really found a different way of engaging with our patient population. Uh, I've had the opportunity to work with some very engaged physicians and other members of the clinical staff on new ways of taking care of our patient population, both in the ambulatory setting and in the acute care setting. Uh, and so uh, our, uh, our service techs uh, that do field service learn how to uh, uh, go into uh, isolation areas, which was a really new thing for, do, for them because they never had to do that before. And so we quickly uh, did that. So I think that we're the same as every other organization that I've spoken to as far as uh, how this impacted. We just recently had, uh, we're in Marion County, uh, Indiana, uh, where uh, my corporate uh, office is. Our corporate office is in Mishawaka, which is right next to South Bend. But the IT department in one of our data centers is here in, in Marion County, and the mayor has just uh, extended the stay-at-home order until June 1st. That means I can't get a haircut, not that I need one, uh, but uh, uh, until till then. Uh, and so, and, and I also my manicure, I end up my manicure is for my wife uh, as well. So uh, she's really w w waiting for those to open back up. So uh, it's been it's been interesting, but I have to say that uh, uh, our teams, all of our uh, IT departments working remotely, uh, and we hadn't missed a beat. I'm quite very proud of them. Excellent. Lots of, lots there we can, we'll follow up on. Um, Lisa, you're, uh, how has it impacted your organization? Yeah, you know, we are um, being in very close proximity to New York. Um, 
particularly our Greenwich Hospital, uh, which is uh, just adjacent to the New York border, um, was hit very hard and very early. Uh, we you know, started seeing cases in uh, late February. Um, that hospital in particular, uh, you know, at one point was uh, almost full enti its entirety of COVID positive patients. Um, you know, I think we saw incredible collaboration as a state, uh, you know, hospitals collaborating with other hospitals uh, who are normally competitors, honestly, um, really bonding together to care for the communities that uh, we serve. Um, the virus then spread uh, across our state uh, to the east, uh, really uh, along the shoreline border where all of our health system hospitals are. And so about every two weeks, uh, we would see a peak uh, at the next hospital as the mm. wave uh, sort of rolled through. Um, we peaked overall uh, in, in about uh, mid-April. Um, we had at that point uh, nearly 800 COVID positive patients uh, across all of our hospitals. Uh, and we had been moving very quickly. Uh, you know, we were adding beds, uh, you know, un unshelling units that had been empty. Uh, we were building inpatient units in what used to be operating room, you know, PACUs. Mm -hmm. Um, we shifted our entire cancer population out of the cancer hospital to our campus across town uh, to make way for three, the top three floors of that building actually uh, were built to be negative pressure rooms. Uh, they were engineered. Mm -hmm. um, we built that building shortly after 9-11. And so our minds were thinking about managing uh, for all types of emergencies. And so you know, picture moving hundreds of uh, sick cancer patients. Uh, we moved them across town and all the services that support them uh, and turned the top three floors of that hospital into negative pressure units uh, to handle the, the COVID population. Throughout that, you know, all of the, the work of our IT teams, you know, um, we're, we're fortunate we've got extensive uh, use of an electronic medical record, but building all of those units and the bed designations and connecting it all to the downstream systems. Uh, our IT team split themselves into two shifts, one working days, one working nights, so that we were essentially working around the clock uh, to keep pace with the shifts in the bed stacks uh, across all of our hospitals. We stood up uh, 300 additional ICU level rooms. So took what were non-ICU beds, turned them into ICU rooms, um, our clinical engineering team also reports up through me. So we were, you know, working hard to be sure we had enough ventilators, uh, repurposing anesthesia machines to turn them into ventilator devices. Uh, we partnered with local high schools who wanted to leverage their 3D printers, and we were printing the splitting devices that allow you to share a ventilator between patients. Uh, we worked with local manufacturers. Uh, to create new ways to monitor remotely the ventilators in a COVID positive room um, and actually can change the ventilator settings from outside the room today. Um, so it's really, you know, I think overall what has struck us as an organization is just the creativity, the focus on a single mission to help people in a crisis uh, and the teamwork that just has come out incredibly strongly. 
I'm happy to say we've now leveled off. We are on the decline. Uh, the governor is intending to open, reopen the state uh, on the 20th of this month. Uh, so we are now turning our attention to that recovery. How do we ensure the communities that our environments are safe uh, for them to come back into to receive what's now been months of deferred care? And so we also have that strong concern that people with you know, cardiac and neurologic conditions there's a, a reticence to come back into the healthcare setting uh, and we're working hard to, and leveraging technology again uh, to make it as contactless as possible as people re-enter our care settings. Very good, Lisa, thank you. Um, Colleen, what sort of have you heard, experienced from your clients about what they're going through and then just sort of a vendor perspective? I mean, how's this been in supporting your customers? So, um, I mean, Lisa and, and Chuck gave a very eloquent answers to, to their perspective. Um, very much what we're hearing from, you know, our customers, it varies based on the hotspots across the country. Um, you know, areas like um, the, you know, greater New York area where Lisa is, it's just, it's, it's been like a war zone. Um, and talking to um, customers of ours that are on the front lines, watching um, folks that serve on our advisory councils go back from their administrative roles to direct patient care mm, um, has, yeah. has been has been something that we're seeing. Um, but even in areas where there are not hot spots, this is really creating an innovation time. So once we get through the war zone piece, there's some really interesting opportunity. And, and those that are not in the hot zones um, are looking and learning and then thinking about how they could apply some of those lessons learned in their regional, in their areas. Um, and this isn't just U.S.-based. So we have customers um, all over the world, in Canada, um, Singapore, so through the you know Singaporean healthcare system, um, the vast majority of those customers are using our technologies and have been watching and asking us as a vendor, what are you seeing? How are your customers in New York? How are your customers in Florida? How are your customers, um, you know, in in California working through some of these issues? So that's been really fascinating. Um, the number one conversation that we have with customers is around collaboration. So tools and how can we help enable with the tools that we provide that are collaboration. Um, and so that's been really interesting, just reimagining what this kind of new normal is going to look like. Very good. Thank you for that. All right. Uh, next question. Um, Lisa, in, in addition to anything you had mentioned in your, in your previous answer, um, thoughts on other ways that sort of IT really stepped up and delivered solutions here? Yeah, you know, I think some of the most um, unexpectedly impactful things um, were, were simple. It was deploying iPads to patient rooms so that these patients who are very isolated, uh, you know, one of the big changes for the hospitals was to eliminate visitors, right? So, we have patients now, they're afraid, they're alone, 
they're in an environment where everything's out of their control and simply providing them with a tool that enabled them to connect with family and loved ones um, or some of the most heartfelt stories. Uh, you know, I have cards and, and letters from, from patients and families and you know, we, we saw lots of patients pass away uh, throughout this and to be with their loved one in the final days and moments of their lives, uh, even virtually was something that was just incredibly appreciated. Um, you know, those technologies that um, it, even for our caregivers, right? Our nurses and doctors, they're exhausted. They're in personal protective equipment. Um, once they're inside a room, um, donning and doffing the equipment and leaving the rooms was just another stressor. And so we stood up, you know, telehealth and telecommunication capabilities from every COVID positive room um, so that the staff in the room at the sound of their voice could get their question answered or someone to bring a supply to the room uh, so that that was very much uh, facilitating the hard work that they were all doing. Um, we scaled our ambulatory telehealth remarkably. Uh, so in just since that early uh, March timeframe, we've done 120,000, you know, telehealth visits. That's, you know, probably up hundredfold, hundreds of fold uh, from our pre-COVID uh, baseline. And so allowing care to continue in a time when people couldn't come in uh, to their doctor's office has been really important. We stood up call centers. Um, we've increased our patient portal adoption, uh, you know, again, two and threefold to keep patients connected to their care teams. Um, and as Chuck mentioned, um, you know, sent about eight to 10,000 employees to work remotely uh, so that we could keep our workforce safe. Um, all of that has just been, I think, uh, amazing. And, um, you know, we, we often joke, um, we've been saying these are all the right things to do for a number of years uh, and we've mm -hmm. managed in a matter of weeks to do what would otherwise have taken us years to accomplish. Mm -hmm. Very good. Chuck? Yeah, I mean, I, I'll echo a lot of the stuff that Lisa said. You know, the, the thing about it is I was talking to uh, Charles yesterday and I told him, you know, it's, I'd rather be lucky than good looking and I got my wish <laughs> because a, a lot of the technologies that we were putting in uh, didn't realize that uh, they were going to be put to, we were going to stress them like we did. We were, we had one, uh, what I call a secure access solution and we were putting in another one that was, uh, we were a Palo Alto shop and so we were looking at uh, and you know playing with you know trying to trial their global protect VPN solution. Uh, we had planned to put that in over a course of six months. Uh, we did it in a week. Uh, we moved 5,000 employees uh, out uh, to work at home remotely uh, within a week and a half. Uh, and you know particularly our billing office. We have two central billing offices: one for ambulatory, one for our uh, uh, acute care and. Uh, there are call centers attached to them, and we moved them out all remotely with soft phones. And uh, I was really amazed uh, at how we started leveraging some of the technology that we had been uh, strategically planning to implement uh, and was working on, but we had to ramp it up and get it done. And so uh, it was really interesting how quickly, and, and the support of the vendors was really great because we needed some uh, technical support from Palo. Uh, and a few other ones. Uh, the other one, other thing that we were 
ramping up to do was rolling out. Uh, we converted to Office 365 last year. Uh, and uh, I'm a big advocate for that platform from a collaboration standpoint. I love Teams. Uh, and uh, we went from you know zero to uh, 10,000 miles an hour with that from a collaboration uh, standpoint. We rolled it out to do a lot of the virtual visits that Lisa mentioned uh, to do uh, position to uh, other caregiver communications for a visitor to, you know, at home and to the patients uh, with several other virtual technologies too. And, you know, I'll share one of the, the interesting things is that you, I found that you put those technologies and you collaborate and the physicians uh, realize that they have a willing partner to go figure stuff out. Uh, we had a, uh, a cardiology group that uh, just basically took a hold of it, and they had one physician in doing rounds with all of our COVID-positive patients in one of the facilities, and they had a group of physicians, the other collaborating physicians, uh, internal uh, pulmonologists, pharmacists, uh, nursing, uh, sitting in a conference room uh, with uh, a team session pulled up on the big screen in the, in the conference room, and they were doing... Uh, what I call communal rounding on these patients. And uh, every patient they rounded on, their care plans got changed based upon that collaboration of care. And we started discharging patients using the same kind of process. And so rather than nursing having to go run around and find all the specialists that were taking care of the patients, they were all in one room together or other parts of the organization that could participate in that collaborative approach to providing care, uh, and we discharged uh, patients hours earlier uh, so we could turn those beds. Uh, so, uh, you know, it's really interesting about how we apply the technology. You know, I've been doing informatics for a long time, uh, and, uh, you know, it's, it's really, uh, you know, it goes back to somebody says, don't let a good crisis go to waste. Mm. Well, guess what? Uh, that uh, the, the crisis required innovation, uh, and, uh, collaboration and support uh, from uh, a lot of folks, and we, and we got that. And so uh, uh, it, it's really good to see uh, everybody step up and do all the things they need to do in order to take care of our patients. You know, we're a, we're a faith-based organization. Uh, uh, our sisters, uh, uh, the order of the sisters that, that own this organization, uh, there are at least two sisters in the chapel 24 hours a day uh, praying, and uh, we needed it. Yep. Yep. Very good. Colleen? You know, it's interesting. And, and uh, Chuck said something um, about seven weeks ago on a, on a call with um, some of our uh, customers. Uh, we, we gathered up a group of our advisory council members, and, and Chuck said something that really resonated. We've been using this internally as a mantra. And he said, what used to take six months, now we got to do it in six days. Yep. And that's something that has been um, a, a, a banner we've been holding up inside Highland. So I want to thank mm -hmm. Chuck for, for saying that because it really resonated from our um, CEO and, and chief development officers all the way down. And people have been thinking about how to engage differently with our customers based on that. And so thinking about how do you get virtual, how do you help support um, the, all these remote teams, how do you approach getting projects done faster um, with 
and how do you advise customers in a way that is not intrusive, but is helping them meet their internal goals and something that we've really focused on um, from a, from the work we're doing with customers. We have seen almost no slowdown in our projects or implementations. And where we have been faster is connecting with customers on how to better leverage the current tools that they have in their tool belt. So um, we have a piece of technology that is used in the enterprise imaging space. It's a clinical viewer. And there's a piece of that functionality called collaboration. And we found that customers weren't necessarily turning that on. And the reason was it's hard to get in, in our old world hard to get doctors to turn on pieces of technology and who do they really want to collaborate with. I'll tell you, um, we have a, a customer in New York City who turned that on without ever even sharing it, that they were turning that on. And they had um, over 3,000 hits on that collaboration tool. What it allowed people to do is that they were in a room on a device and they needed to share um, radiology images. You know, X-rays, right? Oh. And they could oh. hit that, and they could turn, and they could share it with a colleague outside the room, or down the street, or if they had something going on and they needed to consult with, a, you know, a physician and expert in another organization, that's what leads to a thing. The collaboration happening in areas that used to have a lot more, you know, the competition was fierce. That collaboration is happening, and this little piece of functionality and turning it on, and just the value seen out of it was astonishing to us. And so now we're getting on the phone and we're doing these one-on-one -on -one sessions with customers that are on that tool and we're saying, okay, this is what we're seeing driving value. Here's how you could turn it on. Here are the best practices. Here's, and, and that piece has been, um, has been, I think, a great benefit of this. Um, and from a vendor point of view, a lot of that has been driven by um, CIOs partnering with us and having these conversations and saying, okay, you know, here's the three things we're thinking about. Can you make this happen for us? Um, and we've been an organization that's been able to say, yeah, let's do it. So it's, it's been good that open communication has been fantastic. Very good. But one other, one other thing, Anthony, I want to add. One of the things that we in this in this IT shop, we have a a, a, a you know kind of a a slogan that the, everything we do is clinically focused, operationally led, and technology enabled. And mm -hmm. so that's the kind of the approach that we've taken with just about everything we do. Mm -hmm. Very good. All right. Excellent. All right. Uh, next question. Um, Chuck, I want to uh, go with you on this one. Talk about moving okay. staff. And you touched on this a little bit. Is there anything else you want to add about the difficulties of enabling remote staff? There's the speed element to it, but uh, so you could talk about that. But beyond that, um, and is it done? Or, or is this something that's ongoing? Is everybody coming back? Or do we have to see no. how things go? If everybody's not coming back, are there things that you did to get things up and running sort of quickly and temporarily that need to be sort of uh, put in concrete now and for the longer haul? Well, I mean, I think that we're, we're definitely going to see a new normal. And we're, we're already having those conversations, not only new normal, you know, how we get work done, but also how we care for our patients. 
And I think some of it's, it will go back to the way it was. There's some uh, work processes that just need to be uh, on-prem, uh, but there are others. Uh, you know, uh, there are a lot of the IT functions that are being done quite uh, effectively uh, and, and uh, you know, with more productivity than if they were in the office. Uh, you know, I, I get a, another couple hours a day because of no commute uh, to do work. Uh, which is a good thing, bad thing too. Mm-hmm. But uh, the other thing, my commute's like 20 feet now rather than you know half an hour. But uh, the, the the speed in which we had to go kind of uh, shone the light upon some of our configurations and stuff that just didn't lend itself. But the other thing we had to remember was is when we move people home, we no longer have control of the entire tra- the digital transaction that takes place between the workers and the computers. Uh, you know, as far as being able to manage uh, the bandwidth, uh, we're at the mercy of ISPs. Uh, the other thing that we had done is we, uh, uh, since we're a hospital, we can take advantage of the AT&T FirstNet uh, mm-hmm. program where, you know, I'm not sure if you're familiar with that, but after 9-11, they, uh, the federal government contracted with AT&T to stand up a separate network for first responders that when everything else doesn't work, this network works. Uh, it's got a different bandwidth, it has different priorities. And so they added healthcare to that. And so I have, uh, we had just ordered uh, hotspots uh, to use in the event of a, a crisis or a disaster. And so we had those on hand and in some of the places that staff either didn't couldn't get uh, uh, internet access to their homes uh, or their uh, ISPs were just crappy. Uh, we were able to give them that, give them a hotspot, and they were very, you know, very uh, easily able to work. So uh, we there are some configurations on our laptops. You know how you lock them down and manage them uh, inside your organization is much different. But what you have to do, we we did is uh, you can imagine uh, nobody has 5,000 extra laptops laying around uh, gathering dust. Uh, so we got very creative about how we moved equipment home. Uh, uh, when people work in their office and they're used to having dual monitors like I do, and you ask them to go home and work on a laptop, uh, that doesn't work very well. So we had to get very creative about how we do that. And so uh, once we find out what the new normal is going to be, uh, we're having conversation with some of the business leaders uh, around uh, what do you think? Do you think all your staff is going to come back in the office? Well, no, because a couple of reasons. We need to continue to social distance, uh, and you know we can rotate staff in and out, but is that going to be the most appropriate place? Or can we go ahead and just allow a, a, a majority of that uh, workforce to continue to work at home? Uh, and so I, I think that in talking to some of my friends uh, uh, in, in other health care organizations, they believe about half of their workforce is going to remain uh, working remote, uh, and some of the folks I've talked to in, on my leadership team, uh, their staff has already asked if they can continue to work from home. Uh, and so I think that that will, uh, will be the new normal. Very good. Lisa? Yeah, very similar. Um, you know, we we had a lot of the right building blocks in place in terms of a virtual private network and virtual desktops that really enabled people to quickly and seamlessly, I think to everyone's surprise, just move their work uh, to the home environment. Um, We also don't uh, want to invite everyone back into the workplace. We uh, actually have a deliberate 
part of our recovery strategy and beyond is to maximize teleworking as a part of the way that we now operate. So uh, my, my colleague, the Chief Human Resources Officer and I are, are co-leading that effort uh, to continue. We've surveyed thousands of employees who've been working home to understand any challenges that they have had, but what they see as the opportunities and benefits so that as we relook at our policies and procedures around remote working, we can take all of that into account. People are incredibly positive um, about the opportunity uh, to continue to work at least some of the time from home. Um, and so then we're also being very thoughtful about how do we ensure people still get that sense of community and team. Um, and so connecting again through, you know, collaboration tools like this, but thinking smartly about with social distancing, the, the right way to have social and other meeting opportunities as well. And then, you know, we're, we're a teaching institution. Uh, and so, you know, thinking about that portion of our mission and how we continue to use technologies there as well uh, has been a really important part of this. But um, we've told people, if you are currently working from home, you will continue to do that uh, until you are expressly invited back in, but that this is now part of, of that new normal. Um, but we did, we had to get creative. You're right, Chuck, we didn't have 5,000 laptops sitting around, but uh, we sourced equipment pretty quickly. Uh, in some cases, we you know dismantled desktops and equipment that were sitting on now empty yep. office buildings and mm -hmm. allowed people to pack them up uh, and bring them home. Um, to make it more permanent, now we are, we are dealing with those, uh, G is a dual monitor uh, setup required and, and how will we outfit that. But we think the benefits long-term far outweigh any of those short-term costs uh, around making that happen. Yeah, one of the things Cut, that we ahead, did, Chuck. we actually, we stood up a, what we called a help desk 1.5, mm -hmm. uh, specifically for those remote workers, uh, because their needs are much different than, you know, uh, what the help desk or a solution centers, as we call it, uh, typically uh, get. And so we staff that with technical people that could help plugging stuff in, troubleshooting routers and modems and other you know, home connectivity stuff. And that was uh, extremely helpful uh, by not loading up our solution center with those kinds of calls because those mm -hmm. people are not, they're not qualified or trained on the, on the tier ones to support those. Yeah, yeah. So Colleen, anything you want to add there? Yeah, I mean, I, I think that the, the training and education part is going to be really critical. So as we go into this new remote workforce, um, making sure that our levels of management in our organization have the training and skill sets to manage remote workforces. Um, you know, so yep. we can put a lot of technology in front of them. Um, you know, I challenge our professional organizations to, to help us get better at those things. We, um, talking with customers, uh, phenomenal partnerships between the IT side and the HR side, helping support uh, policies and procedures and, and the efforts to, to take people home. Um, from the outside looking in, the movement of staff to a remote, highly functioning uh, team has been amazing across the U.S. watching um, from the large to the small this dramatic change and how it's um, gone for the most part 
pretty well uh, as a vendor looking at all these hospitals and, and interacting with them and seeing, um, you know, really what works and doesn't work uh, has been interesting. The other thing that we'll, that I'm seeing is um, you know, we talked about move to the cloud and the work that was being done. And I will tell you that um, in the last two months, the requests to our team to help consult and help customers think through move to the cloud is up 400%. Mm. So I just think this is, is fueling um, healthcare, which is usually, you know, a little behind other industries um, that have moved to the cloud and embrace that. This kind of uh, a pandemic, um, a national crisis has really expedited that move and not just to, you know, an EMR, but also all the adjacent technologies that support both clinical care and operational needs um, mm-hmm. of a healthcare organization. Mm-hmm. Very good. <clears throat> all right. Next question. This is a fun one. Um, Colleen, why don't we start with you? You want to relate a personally witnessed story, which exemplifies perseverance, creativity, or leadership. I'm sure, I'm sure everybody working in the healthcare environment as something that has affected them deeply or impressed them uh, that they will never forget. So your thoughts there, Colleen? Yeah, so um, I have a a customer um, that I'm going to mention by name, Henry Ford Health System in Detroit. Um, They've been at the epicenter of uh, the pandemic happening in Southeast Michigan, Um, stood up their surge site, the enablement of that IT team to think broadly about how they continue to service the needs um, across all their hospitals, uh, multiple regions across Michigan has been stunning to me. Um, These are folks that have to move from urban settings to um, rural settings. And when I think about um, they, they had a large number of their staff, not just clinically facing, but staff overall, that ended up coming down with COVID. They were um, early on in this fight. They had um, several clinical folks that um, unfortunately passed away from COVID. Um, but watching that community come together and collaborate with us as a vendor um, has really been inspiring. And so I just give huge kudos to that organization for what they've done. Very good. Thank you, Colleen. Mind me. No, (laughs) I I don't think they would. (laughs) I don't think they would. Uh, Lisa? Yeah, you know, uh, when I was first preparing uh, for today and thinking about that, you know, there are so many examples on the front line um, that I, I couldn't even begin to uh, choose and, and share. But I, I wanted to highlight uh, a portion of uh, our IT team. Um, you know, we're we're often sort of behind the behind the machine and under the radar, um, and the amount of work that needs to happen. I think we. We make it look seamless and easy, uh, but wanted to highlight one portion of our team. You know, as I mentioned, we were rapidly converting rooms to ICU level care. Not all of those rooms were capable of the remote monitoring to safely take care of patients. 
the personal protective equipment was in short supply. And so again, uh, we were rapidly working to deploy the telehealth equipment, right? The, the cameras that were capable of tilting and zooming uh, on all the equipment that was needed in these stand-up rooms and thousands of these carts uh, needed to be sourced. Um, our usual suppliers uh, were not able to keep up with our demand. We could get some, but not all that we needed and certainly not fast enough. And so I've got a group of really talented folks on our uh, telehealth and clinical imaging teams. They're, they're engineers and, and analysts and they sourced pieces and parts of equipment. Um, they set up shop. We have a regional operations center that's essentially a distribution warehouse for our health system. They took over uh, you know, the entire first floor of that facility practically uh, and set up basically a PC factory. And they, they set to work with drills and wrenches and I was quite worried. I didn't know what was going to come out of it. Um, but as you know, as they would send me photos, it, it became our joke. You know that they were lining up the carts. It, it looked like the droid army. Uh, you know from, from Star Wars, um, and they they met every need. Uh, stayed ahead of that curve as the pandemic uh, spread across our state. Um, and it was one of those things, you know, the, the medical staff, our nurses, our administration is, you know, you're not taking those away, right? We're, we're going to get to keep and use those. And we saved thousands and thousands of pieces of PPE because staff uh, were able to work in a new way. Um, it, it's been amazing. But, uh, you know, there was never a task too big. People were just committed uh, to doing what we needed to to connect and protect uh, our patients. It's just been phenomenal. Very cool story. Chuck? Well, I mean, it's, you know, our the way our IT organization is uh, designed is we're warehoused separately uh, away from all of our healthcare facilities. That's good and it's bad because we don't get to see the, uh, the online action and interaction with the patients every day. But one of the things, and I think this, this image, this picture that was shared with me, and I asked permission to share it on uh, uh, LinkedIn and Twitter, was on Good Friday. As I mentioned, we're a faith-based organization. Uh, we had one of our facilities, uh, all the nurses in the emergency room went out to the helipad, took a knee, and said a prayer. Boy, I saw that. Shift. So to me, that one is going to stick with me for a long time because it reminds me of why we're here. Uh, it's not how, you know, what good, cool technology that I can put in people's hands, but taking care of that patient. And if my, I'm married to a nurse. Uh, and so my job is to make sure that the technology does not get in the way uh, and actually assist and takes work uh, away so they can take care of that patient and have that human-to-human -human interaction that is required for people to heal. That's a great story, Chuck. Very moving. <clears throat> um, let's, uh, let's go to our poll real quick. I want to throw the poll out there and open that up. So we're going to launch that now. The worst of COVID-19 has passed. There may be a resurgence but it will never be as difficult to manage as the first go-round. So just take the, a moment and answer that, and then uh, <clears throat> we'll take a look at the results in a second. I want to get to one of my favorite parts here, the Ask a Co-Panelist feature. So, Colleen, I'd like you to go first. Do you have a question for either or both of your co-panelists? 
I do, and this is something I am struggling with, so I seek advice. How do you combat Zoom fatigue? (laughs) Oh, Lisa, go first. Go ahead. (laughs) As I said, wow, that's a really good question. Um, (laughs) I mean, we're all spending our life on Zoom. It's like, (laughs) you know, I think it's great. I had a, and I'll give her credit. I had a suggestion uh, from one of the physicians that I work with, and uh, she was on a Zoom call with me, and she said, you know, Lisa, are are we going to, do we need to be on the Zoom? Are you going to share any content? Are there slides for the meeting? And I said, no. And she said, well, do you mind then if we both get up and walk? Can we just, you know, do this on our phones and, and get outside? Um, and I think that's just been an important, um, as, you know, as cool and interesting as it feels to be on Zoom, it gets old pretty quickly, right? <laughs> but um, remembering that we don't always need to be, uh, you know, visually connected. Um, and it was it was nice to think about. We were both walking outside and, and having a conversation um, is, I think, just one way to, to think about doing that differently. Chuck? Chuck? Well, I mean, the thing about it is for me, it's it's not just Zoom. Uh, it's, uh, you know, I, I used to, you know, I, I, my schedule's always booked from start to finish, but it's, it's always those, uh, uh, what I call drive-bys, uh, the interruptions and stuff that, that you get, you know, when you're either in, uh, you're trying to actually get some work done in, in your office. And I, I leave my door open all the time. Uh, unless I'm, I'm having a, a call that I need to uh, either concentrate on or have a conversation that doesn't need to be overheard. But, you know, it's in, in one day I've, I found myself, I was on a Teams meeting. I was chatting at the same time within that meeting that somebody Skyped me at the same time. Then I got a text on my phone. <laughs> and, then, and then I get, uh, you know, then, then Charles calls me on my cell phone. So I actually have a, a speaker over here, a phone over here, listening to two conversations and trying to type at the same time. And I finally said, enough. You know, I raised four daughters. And so I can listen to five conversations pretty well. <laughs> at the same time, but, uh, you know, that, that truly is a, a little bit of, uh, overstimulation. So mm-hmm. one of the things I do is I have some very early meetings with, uh, members of my leadership team. Uh, and so I get up in the morning, I'll put my, uh, ear pods in, I'll, and I take, I walk, uh, our neighborhood. And so we'll have these, uh, what I call roaming, uh, uh meetings. And it's really interesting because as, it's a little hilly in my neighborhood, so they get to hear me breathe hard as I go back uphill. Uh, but, you know, it's it's really interesting it's of how what kind of personal conversations you can have during the time. So I, I agree. I get up and move uh, because mm. uh, uh, it's uh, my exercise is basically going downstairs to get a cup of coffee and walking back upstairs. And so I, mm-hmm. I try to get out and, and move a lot. So. Well, it's really interesting because uh, before this, there you know, there's always been a lot of discussion about death by meeting, too many meetings, period, yeah. right? right? So that's always been an issue. That still exists. But now, as Lisa and both everyone's pointed out, there is not just a meeting of itself. Now there's a video versus a non-video meeting, and a video meeting imposes a larger burden of attention, preparation, and focus, which isn't you always like necessary. No, no, this, this, this is very important. This, that wasn't nice, Chuck. No, what a, give you crap, so what can I say? Well, so, so to my point, it's, is yes, it's, do we need a meeting at all? And then if we need a meeting, does it have to be video, right? Do right. we not, we don't want to have video meetings unless they serve a purpose. 
right? Or well, I, I think now that there's an expectation that you're going to have it. Hold on, let's go, Lisa. Lisa, ladies sorry, first. Go ahead, go ahead, Lisa. No, sorry, I was just going to say I don't know. It sort of evolved, but uh, we started scheduling just thirty-minute meetings. Meetings by default have become thirty minutes instead of sixty, um, which mm -hmm. is also something I I wish you know uh, we will continue as this goes forward. But um, yep. All right, very good. Let's having a, a go ahead. back to back schedule of uh, 30 minute meetings all day long. So my wife asked me yesterday, I went downstairs at, at one o'clock. She says, well, how many more calls do you have today? And I said five. And she said, oh, my God, I hope they're not hours. I said, no, they're only 30 minutes long. So uh, it, 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 you truly can have death by meeting. You can. Yep. Yep. All right. We're going to we're going to look at the poll, but I, I, I'm going to get everyone to guess on the results. So. Um, again, the, the question is, the worst of COVID-19 has passed. There may be a resurgence, but it will never be as difficult to manage as the first go-round. Chuck, what is your guess on the results there? I don't think it's going to be as uh, difficult uh, as the first go-round. I need numbers, buddy. How many people are going to agree with that statement? Give me a percentage. I, I would think about 80%. All right, 80% agree. All right, uh, Colleen, how many, what percentage agree? Uh, I think it's less than that. I think it's probably 58%. 58%. Like I, like really I like the specificity. Yeah, yeah. Lisa? Yeah, I think it's the majority. Um, probably going to say 78%. 78%. All right. Uh, well, the answer is, and we'll share the 67%. 67% agree. So, um, Colleen, if this, was closer, right. if this is Price is Right, yeah. if this is Price is Right, I win, yeah. right? Price is, yeah, Price is Right. Absolutely. Well, you both very, uh, Chuck, uh, we know one thing, Chuck lost. That's what we know, beyond <laughs> doubt, right? Well, as, as you had planned that way. That's why you called on me first. Uh, <laughs> good. Very I'm, good. I'm the, I'm the pragmatic optimist. What can I say? Uh-huh. Well, 67% think that the worst, well, at least if it comes back, uh, it won't be as difficult. So that's uh, somewhat promising. All right. Uh, one more quick question. Let me sneak it in. I'm being greedy. One more question and one that I like very much. Um, and let me go to Lisa first on this. What are some of the main things you learned about your or your team, your organization, or leadership? Actually, I would like to focus on leadership. So forget about your team and your organization. What is something that you learned about leadership through having gone through this experience? What's important? What matters? Yeah, you know, I think it was um, or is uh, vulnerability and integrity. Uh, it was, you know, this thing leveled the playing field. Uh, it was not important at all who had what title, who was leading what uh, everyone needed to band together. And um, leading took that honesty, integrity, uh, and vulnerability, I think. Very good. Uh, Chuck? Well, one thing that that I found is that we have, uh, you know, Charles's leadership team is fairly new. Uh, I've been at the organization a little over a year. Uh, we've got two other leaders uh, that have been there for much less than a year. One of them just came in in March, uh, at the end of uh, February 1st of March, right when we began this. And so 
Uh, needless to say, he didn't even have a time to step on the treadmill. He had to parachute <laughs> into it. So, uh, you know, the, the thing about it is, is that, uh, you know, in, uh, I think, uh, Lisa, you mentioned integrity well, is absolutely uh, the case. Uh, the willingness to collaborate any hour of day and night and to step up and to raise your hand, I got this, or I got this, or can you help me do this? And so uh, there was no, uh, you know, measuring stick about, you know, uh, how how we're going to help each other. We had a mission that we needed to get done and it didn't make any difference. Who's rolling up their sleeves? Uh, and there, there are things I can do technically and volunteer to do. And my team looked at me and says, no, we don't want you to do that. Uh, and so uh, I allowed them to do their thing. So the other thing I learned was uh, sometimes a good process can be your enemy uh, because you can uh, get yourself into a, uh, you know, a process thing. So th there's one thing that people learned that I didn't like really quickly. When I asked for something, they said, well, Chuck, you need to open a ticket. <laughs> and I said, wait, I said, You're, you want me to open a ticket? No. I need to get it done. Uh, so they, you know, after about the third time somebody said that to me, uh, and there's another saying that nobody in this organization has ever said to me because I warned them, uh, don't ever tell me it's not your job because, uh, uh, you know, it, it won't it won't go well after that. So uh, it, it is all of our jobs to meet the needs of this organization, uh, regardless of what level we're at. Uh, so. Uh, so, you know, having learned from those processes, we're kind of looking at those, or I am, as, as what worked well, what didn't work well. Uh, and I think we have to go back and do that self-reflection uh, on mm -hmm. that. Uh, and, you know, we, uh, some of the new leaders that came in formed some really quick bonds uh, with other leaders in the organization uh, because we just had to uh, in order to get stuff done. You know, Chuck, you're one of the nicest guys I've ever met, but I still wouldn't want to make you mad. You know, so I will never tell you to open a ticket, all right? Uh, yeah. Well, no, you know, the thing no. is that people have never heard me raise my voice because I don't do that. I just, it's a, it's a way that my mother taught me how to look at people. Uh, and they understand, oh, by God, I've stepped off in it right oh, now. Oh, boy. So, oh, boy. So, I can feel let's it. Just, let's yeah. just go get it done. Thank you very much for sharing. <laughs> very good. All right, Colleen. I'm gonna I'm gonna give you the last word, Colleen. Your thoughts on on what you've learned about leadership, and any other thoughts you want to close us with. So trust is key. Trust, integrity. Trusting your mm -hmm. team. Yeah. Um, trusting your vendors. Trusting. It's just it's just key, and communication. And I think mm -hmm. the one thing that has uh, been throughout this conversation we were having is how important communication is. It fuels ingenuity. Mm -hmm. um, it fuels uh, great patient care. Um, and, you know, communication and really becoming an organization that values that and exemplifies that is, is a key to surviving any crisis. Very good. All right. That's about all we had time for today. Regarding continuing education, you can use the final slide in this deck. You'll get an email when the recording of this event is ready for viewing. If you want to sponsor one of our upcoming events or book a custom event, you can reach out to Nancy Wilcox from our team. You can go to our site to register for our upcoming webinars. With that, I want to very much thank our panelists. It was quite enjoyable and enlightening. Lisa Stump, Chuck Christian, and Colleen Serhole. And I want to thank Highland Healthcare for making this conversation possible. 
And with that, I, of course, want to thank our attendees. So with that, everybody have a wonderful day. Thank you. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you.